Greg mentioned earlier the many folks that do play a role around here and prayed for them. And if you would please pray for them, I know they'd appreciate it. It is a blessing that God gifts us in specific ways. And I trust that you will be serving God as he's given you some talents. And also that you will pray for those who wonderfully, wonderfully encourage um, our young people, who encourage our old people. Uh, you pray for everybody who ministers around here because that is what God's church is. Different folks with different abilities and talents and they're joining together to make this church work. And we are blessed to be in God's house today. Amen. There is something very special about private worship. When you are able to be alone with the scriptures and knowing that you um, enjoy the grace that God has given. And there is something very special about being in God's house with God's people. Sometimes that takes a little bit of time for you to warm up to that. I talk to um, individual after individual over the years that says, when I'm not able to be in church, my whole rest of my week is just not right. And I would encourage you to get to that place where you genuinely miss short church if you are not here. We're going to continue talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit today. I opened this up with a sermon about three weeks ago. And we talked about it, and we'll focus today on the Holy Spirit and also next week on the Holy Spirit. And I hope it'll be a blessing and encouragement to you. Would you bow your heads with me and hearts, and we'll ask one more time for God's clear involvement in our time. Heavenly Father, we praise you for the wonderful joy it is to come to you with our requests, with the things that we cannot even put into words, and you know us so well that you hear those prayers. We praise you for being one that wants us to come to you. We praise you for one that wants our worship. We praise Jesus Christ for standing in front of you. And when you look at us, you do not see our sins or how short we fall, but you see your son and how his sins have, or how his blood has covered our sins. We praise you for that. And we praise you for the Holy Spirit. We would pray, Heavenly Father, that during this time we would understand the Holy Spirit's ministry better, we would be more blessed for it, and we would have more confidence as we walk in this world. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. I want to start off by asking you to get involved in the service just a little bit. I want to ask you if you wouldn't mind um, giving me some feedback on something, and I want to talk about the elephant in the room, really. I wanted to be quiet there just for a second. When we talk about the elephant in the room, some of you were thinking about, what's he talking about? Hopefully none of you were thinking, is he talking about me? No, that's not what we're talking about. The elephant in the room is this big boot that is on my right foot. And um, I wear this boot when my foot swells up. I've had an injury in the past. And um, just so you're a little, bit, a little bit better informed when you vote here in a second, I've been walking in this boot off and on, mostly off, for about seven or eight years. So I've held on to this. It's one of the few things that I got my money's worth out of as far as medical products, okay? <laughs> I've had it, and um, I wear this boot sometimes when I need to. I hate to do it because I don't like to talk about it so much, and I will talk about it, and that's fine, and you can pray for me when you think of my foot. It's very much on the mend. Um, and I was very close to not wearing it today, but I chose to. Here's what I want to ask you about, and this is a layperson's opinion. I guess we do have some physicians here in the room, and so maybe I'll take your uh, professional opinion if you've had um, a history in medicine. I want you to vote by raising your hand by telling me, do you think that I walk faster when I wear this boot, or do you think that this boot actually slows me down? 
All right, those are your only two choices. Do you think that when I wear this boot, I walk faster? Or do you think when I wear this boot, it slows me down? All right, let's do them in that order. If you would raise your hand and let me know, I'm a fast counter too, so I'll be good here. Um, how many of you think that I actually, when I wear this boot, I'm able to walk faster? Raise your hand if you think I walk faster. Keep your hands up just for a second. Okay, up in the balcony there. Okay, all right, put your hands down. How many of you think that I walk slower when I wear this boot? Raise your hand. Okay, all right, put your hand down. I'm going to tell you the answer at the end of our message today, and so you'll have to hang on. I did have one person tell me they were extremely tired and sleepy before the service, and I see that as a challenge uh, when we stand here and open God's Word. Hopefully, I can keep all of you alert and awake. I will say this. I think the answer might surprise you just a little bit as to whether I walk faster or whether I walk slower when I'm in this. Let me go ahead and bridge this to something that we're going to talk about this morning, and I've already said we're going to focus on the ministry of the Holy Spirit once again. And let me ask a question, and I will answer this question later on at the same time when I answer the question about the boot that I am wearing. I will not have you raise your hands for this question, but I will ask two similar questions. It is this, in our journey as followers of Jesus Christ, do you think that we move along better in our journey with a, don't miss this, do we move along better in our journey with a list of do's and don'ts, thou shalt and thou shalt nots, or do we move along better in our journey without that list of do's and don'ts? Don't raise your hand. You can talk amongst yourselves as long as you do it quietly. That's fine. And so, but I will address this question at the same time I give you the answer to my, uh, the question about my boot. Do you move along better in your journey with a list of do's and don'ts or without a list of do's and don'ts? And I might suggest that the answer just might surprise you to that question as well. We're continuing our study of the Holy Spirit. Let me review just a little bit since it was um, a few weeks ago that we talked about the Holy Spirit. And actually, this little bit of review is only going to help me to make the point that I want to make regarding the impact the Holy Spirit has in our lives. When we looked earlier at the Holy Spirit, we looked at two different churches. They were the same people. They were in the same physical location. But the church in Acts chapter 1 was very, very different than the church in Acts chapter 2. You'll recall from a few weeks ago, and especially if you were in our series going through the book of Acts, uh, we talked about the folks that were there, the 120 gathered in the room, hearing a sound that was like a rushing wind as God breathed life into his church. This is the, min the ministry of the Holy Spirit. God breathed life into his church, and at that point, it sounded like a rushing wind. We talked about the Holy Spirit and we talked about a large fire that I think appeared in one um, piece together. And as that fire was there, maybe they had the question, who is the fire going to rest upon? Who is going to be the next great leader? Because they would be thinking in the um, ideas of Abraham and Moses and David, who's going to be the next great leader for God and what he's going to do? And I think that they were surprised when they saw that fire the, representing the Holy Spirit coming, dividing into different pieces, and the Holy Spirit fire resting upon each one of them, telling us that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is going to be done not just through one person or through 12 disciples, but it would be done through all those who call Jesus Christ their Lord and their Savior. The power would come to all Christians. 
And then we saw that tongues came, telling us there would be no barrier to where the gospel would go. There's a little bit of review for us for this talk about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask you to turn to two different passages in your Bibles. If you would turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and hold your place there. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and hold your place there. And then once you get 1 Corinthians 3, I'm going to have you turn to John 14. So we'll start in John 14, but go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians 3 and hold your place there. And then turn over to John chapter 14. As you are turning there, I've put another scripture up on the screen. If you're taking notes, this is what you're going to want to take down. Um, We put this down for the text for our message today, and it just sums up what we're going to talk about so very clearly. We will talk next week again about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and I did have a desire to give a good education on this area of the Holy Spirit because there's so much that confuses us about this. There are people that are frightened when they hear somebody else talk about the Holy Spirit because they're just not sure what they're talking about. Okay, when you say Holy Spirit, what exactly do you mean? I'm not sure if if we agree on that. And people get frightened sometimes. I'm not going to go into a whole lot of the jargon and the um, bullet points of the ministries of the Holy Spirit this week. I will give you a few more next week. It's not boring, I promise you, but it will be helpful for you in your journey in this area that is oftentimes confusing to so many. But today what we're going to see in regards to the Holy Spirit is I think, I hope, going to be very, very practical for you. I think for every one of us who follows Jesus Christ to lay a hold of these principles is going to help you immediately. I mean, as soon as we are done in this place, if you start applying this, it's going to help you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Galatians 5.16 says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And so if we can break this down for us to two choices, that is not written to unbelievers. Galatians was written to the church. This is written to people who follow Jesus Christ. And they are told you have two choices You can walk by the Spirit, or you can walk in the flesh. Or if you walk in the Spirit, you will not gratify or satisfy the desires of the flesh. If I can go ahead and just let you know, when I say walk in the Spirit, I want you to go ahead and um, couple with that the expression filled with the Spirit. The Bible commands us to be filled with the Spirit, and that's what we're going to be focusing on during our time today. You can choose to be filled with the Spirit or you can choose to be filled with fleshly things. And I'll give you a definition of fleshly things in just a moment. Here's why you want to hear this. If you are one who is choosing to walk, being filled with the Spirit, that is going to lead you to a certain contentment in your life. I'm not saying that it will be, your life will be blanketed completely with contentment all the time, no. But I'm telling you that the place where you mostly live when you are walking filled with the Spirit will be a place of contentment. Not always wanting to change or fix something or get something better, but a satisfaction that only God can give you as you walk in the Spirit. If you are walking in the Spirit, there will be a level of peace that is accessible to you that is not accessible when you are constantly walking in the flesh. 
God says he will give us a peace that passes all understanding, but it does not just automatically come. We have a role to play on our side in order to get that peace. And if you're walking in the Spirit, I want to just encourage you with this fact that you'll be growing in your faith. The trust level that you have in God is going to go up and up and up. That's an issue of maturity, an issue of maturity. And as you're walking in the Spirit, you will mature and you will walk in faith. Have you ever seen somebody and you observe their life and you just said, my goodness, they seem to have so much trust in God. They have so much faith in God. If I could get to that level of faith, I would do whatever it takes. Well, let me challenge you. Listen to this message today. This will take you to a place where you are growing in faith in incredible ways. So this choice of walking in the Spirit or being filled with the Spirit or the choice of walking in the flesh, it's not as hard to describe, really. This is a life that is constantly going to be described. Now, remember who we're talking to in Galatians. We're talking to believers. So this can be, and unfortunately is, some of you when we talk about people who are constantly walking in the flesh, flesh giving in to the flesh. This is going to mean that you as a Christian are living a life that is constantly up and down. You're tossed to and fro. You grab a hold of a promise that God has given you and you cling to that and then all of a sudden it switches and you're holding on to despair and there is no answer. When we walk in the flesh, we are giving up something that leads us to have that consistency. I'm not saying that Christians will not have ups and downs, but I'm saying it will be the far minority when you are choosing to be constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at a few, uh, or just a couple things. If you're taking notes today, I know I'm not easy to take notes on. I get that. that I'm comfortable with that. But I'm going to help you out today. Two points is what we've got. Just two points um, and first of all, I want to look at the ministry of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As we talk about the Holy Spirit and we look at the Trinity, most of you have enough wisdom to say, I don't disagree with the Trinity. Some churches call their church Trinity Church. They put it right in their title. And so we would not disagree with that. But having said that, if we get real about this, when we look at the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, if you look in detail, that old song that some of us learned when we were kids, one of these things is not like the other, kind of pops up, right? When you think of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we think of the Father, just about everybody here can relate to that picture, that metaphor of what a father is. And whether your picture is bad or good of what a father is, you understand this. You are comfortable with what the teaching is of the Word of God, God the Father. I think all of us can wrap our brains around the idea of a son. We know what a son is. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, that is not as easy of, some, of a, an idea for us to grasp. In the book of Acts, look at what we've already talked about. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about fire coming down. That's going to make some of you pause, right? We're talking about speaking in tongues when the church started. We're talking about this sound like a rushing wind. All of these things are very much so out of the norm for us. So when we think of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, it's something that um, can be a little bit intimidating. 
Some of you uh, grew up, my, when I grew up, the only version that we had of the Bible was the King James Version, right? King James Version would, um, they would translate, not Holy Spirit, they would translate it what? Holy Ghost. Yeah. Well, boy, that makes things even harder, right, for some of us, because when I was a kid, I didn't want any part of that ghost business that was there. When you think of ghosts, you might think of, you know, Scooby-Doo. That's not good. Or, you know, maybe we think of the fall here and the haunted houses and some kind of a ghost that is coming. So automatically, our ideas are tainted when we think of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. Or even possibly you've had some exposure to someone that is talking about the Holy Spirit. But what is going on is nothing to do with God and that's what I would call it, and that's what you would suspect. In our day of technology, you can go online and Google Holy Spirit and um, laughing, and you can see videos of gatherings of Christians, so-called, and people uh, laughing uncontrollably. I mean, on the floor, rolling around. To take it a step further, some people in the name of the Holy Spirit are going to say that they act drunk. They literally are acting drunk in a public setting, even though they've had no alcohol. And they are attributing that to the Holy Spirit. And so a lot of you, when you see something, see something like that, will have the correct reaction and dive into God's Word to see what you really believe. But many people are going to have this. They're going to say, I think I'll just kind of stay away from that too much. I accept the Holy Spirit, I get it, we hear it every once in a while, but some people might say, I'm just a little bit intimidated by that. So I hope as we talk about the Holy Spirit today, that will not be you. You will be one that is very much embracing and running towards the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We're in John chapter 14, and just a little bit of background, Jesus Christ tells his followers, I'm leaving, I'm going, going to a place where you cannot come, but something better is going to come. And if you skip down to verse 15 of John chapter 14, John 14, and starting in verse 15, here's the first point that we want to talk about. Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Let's stop right there. Our first point if you're taking notes is the Holy Spirit is a he. We need to allow ourselves to accept this. The Holy Spirit is not some force that is out there something that we have to learn, some kind of a secret ritual to tap into that force. The Holy Spirit is a he, and Jesus Christ um, gives us that information right in John chapter 14. The Holy Spirit is not a force. When you think of force, that word there, some of us think of the Star Wars movies. Use the force, Luke, is the idea. And you might have a picture of Luke trying to block some things that were being shot at him with a sword just by using the force. And unfortunately, some Christians have allowed themselves to reduce the ministry of the Holy Spirit to something like that. It's some force that is out there. I can't understand it. I don't know. I saw some people that were a little bit wacky talking about the Holy Spirit. I know I don't believe that. 
And so people are intimidated. You need to understand as you go through your journey that the Holy Spirit is a he. Next, something happens when a person begins their relationship with God. And this is what we'll spend the rest of our time on. There is something that takes place that happens by the Holy Spirit when a person starts their relationship with God. And that is this. This is number two for you. The last point already. There you go. Some of you would be happy for that. All those in the family of God are sealed until the day of Jesus Christ. And the sealing is done by the Holy Spirit. We are sealed by the Spirit if we have accepted Christ as our Savior. Now let me give you a little bit of history about this word seal because we don't use that too much today. Today we have all kinds of security measures. We'll have an eye scanner maybe to um, open um, a certain door or you'll have a thumbprint to open your phone. When we think of this idea of a seal, it goes back a couple thousand years at least and when you would see a seal on something that was official, that was to send you a message. A seal was a signet containing a very distinctive mark of the person that it represented. So you might think of a king, or you might think of some kind of another leader, very important person, and if they would seal something and they would stamp their ring on that, and the idea was if you see that symbol, if you start to mess with that, you're messing with the one who put his seal on it. That's the idea there. Let me go ahead and fast forward and give us a little bit of a more contemporary illustration. Let's say you are at the airport, and as you're at the airport, you're at the um, luggage, the luggage carousel there that goes around. Luggage carousel is always a very dramatic place. You see a lot of bags, and it's amazing how many black suitcases there are these days, right? So many black suitcases that are out there. If, imagine you're standing there at a luggage carousel at the airport, and you see a case coming by, and it's a little bit smaller. It's actually a briefcase. And as you see this briefcase coming by, it is the nicest briefcase that you have ever seen. This briefcase seems to have gold plates on the corners of it to protect it if it gets dropped. This briefcase looks to have diamonds that are studded along decorating this briefcase. It is an incredible, incredible briefcase. And you think to yourself, I wonder what's going to happen if I take that briefcase. If I just pick that up, and walk off with that. I could probably could get off. It looks to be so expensive and so valuable. I imagine what's inside that briefcase might even be more valuable. So you consider stealing that briefcase. And then as you look down, you can see a name that is written on top of that briefcase. And it says Tyson right on top there. And as you look at that and go to pick it up, you're thinking Tyson. What could that be? Tyson. Tyson chicken? Maybe? Somebody? Uh, maybe the son of Poseidon? Tyson, that one there, and you see that word Tyson, and you maybe are tempted to bend down and pick it up, and then you look just down the carousel, and you see Mike Tyson walking towards you, just as you were about to reach out and steal that briefcase that belongs to him. And you, in your wonderful wisdom, choose not to take that briefcase and try to run off with it. Now, why do you do that? Well, because you value your life, right? You value what you have, and this guy here might mess you up if you try to take his briefcase. Now, don't miss the connection here. When we are sealed by the Holy Spirit, I want to tell you two things that take place. First of all, the devil, I believe, will see, see that seal and realize you belong to God. The devil very much so 
Well, understand that you cannot be his. You belong to God. Now, if he cannot have you in a lake of fire for all eternity with him, then he wants to make you ineffective. And he's got plenty of resources to do that. And that's really what we're talking about here. But that seal that is put on you, I think is recognized by the devil. He realizes that he cannot have you. And here's the other effect that I want to talk about of this seal. If you're saved, I want to suggest to you that this seal opens so many opportunities to you. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit. By the way, when you want to go and defend your faith and we talk about you can never lose your salvation, this is one that you're going to want to, want to, you're going to, want to go right to this. I am sealed by the Holy Spirit when I become a Christian. But more than that, when we are sealed, it opens up many more opportunities to us. If you've been sealed by God or sealed by the Holy Spirit, I think what God wants you to do is he wants you to go and some of us are in a cell, a picture of a cell, our whole life when we don't know Jesus Christ. And then when we get saved, we are gloriously forgiven. And what God wants us to do is he wants us to go in that cell, that room that we are in, and he wants us to check the door. Because what has happened is the door is now open. It is open for you. It is open for you to have amazing things in your life. Forgiveness is the avenue to the place that God wants you to be. And that place is walking in the Spirit or being filled with the Spirit. This is what will set us apart. If God saved you, He's given you some talents or some gifts. What are you going to do with those? You can be like one character in the Bible and just go and bury them, not do anything with them. Or you can go and use them and invest them and see what God is going to do. When we are sealed, there is so much that has opened up to us. I asked you to hold your place in 1 Corinthians 3. Would you go ahead and turn over there, please? 1 Corinthians 3. And I want to go ahead and answer the question, what does it look like when a Christian remains in a state of walking in the flesh. And there is a good debate among believers about um, being backslidden, being genuinely saved versus not saved, you know, losing your salvation. There is a good debate in many of these areas here. But I want to suggest to you that as we look at 1 Corinthians 3, we find a group of, of believers, they are saved, they follow Jesus Christ, and they have remained in a state of immaturity. If I can use the line from what we're talking about today, they have chosen to continue to walk in their flesh, even though they've been forgiven. 1 Corinthians 3, starting in verse number 1. But brothers, I could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while, for while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? Let's stop right there. The Apostle Paul writes a letter to this church and he says, you guys are in the flesh. He calls them people of the flesh. They had not matured. One of the things he mentions is they couldn't get along with each other. And how sad is that? The Bible clearly tells us that people will know that you're a follower of Jesus Christ by your love one for another. 
You need to sacrifice a whole bunch of things that you want to have to love brothers and sisters in your fellowship because that's how the world knows that we're followers of him. And yet here it says they could not get along with each other. Some wanted to follow Paul. Some wanted to follow Apollos. And Paul rebukes them and says, you guys are walking in the flesh. You are people of the flesh. That is a bad nickname. You do not want that. You want to shake that nickname as soon as possible. Galatians 5.16 is our key verse we're focusing on. But I say walk by the Spirit. If these people would have walked by the Spirit, they would not have been called people of the flesh. If you're taking notes, write down Galatians 5.25, just nine verses later. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. All right. Let's go ahead and make this very, very practical. I'm going to give you some of the takeaways um, right here. The Holy Spirit has been given to us. Jesus Christ gave the Holy Spirit to us when we come to a place of battle. The battle that is raging within us. And we all have that. You can't recognize it. You've walked past many people today. And I want to suggest to you that some of the people that you have walked past today have a battle that is raging within them. It is a battle to walk in the spirit or to walk in the flesh. Now, here's the good news. The devil cannot make you do anything. Let me say this again. If you're a child of God, the devil cannot make you do anything. Now, he can tempt you. He can influence people around you. He can make life miserable in some ways for you, but the devil cannot make you do anything. But along with that good news, let me just say this. The Holy Spirit is not going to make you do anything. The Holy Spirit's not going to make you do it. The devil can't make you do it. The Holy Spirit's not going to make you do it. So who does that leave in the driver's seat that has to make the decision? It leaves you and me, right? We have to make a choice. You choose to act as one that is filled with the Spirit or you choose to act as one. I told you I'd give you a, a definition of walking in the flesh. Here it is of one satisfying the flesh, which is anything contrary to what God wants in your life. Walking in the flesh is anything contrary to what God wants in your life. Okay, a little more class participation. Are you ready? How many of you think, if you're given these two choices, I want to walk in the Spirit or I want to walk in the flesh, give into my flesh? I'm going to ask you to raise your hands. How many of you would say, I have a desire, I want to walk in the Spirit of God. Raise your hand. Okay, good. Put your hand down. I'm not going to ask the next one. I'm just, somebody, I know one of these teens would raise their hand and throw me all off. I have to start over again, you know. Here's the point. I think every one of us who follow Jesus Christ, I think he has put within us the desire to want to walk in the Spirit. Now, some of you might have your mind racing to a person that calls himself a Christian and you see nothing of evidence of Christianity in them. I want to suggest to us that God puts within every Christian a desire to walk in the Spirit. And, so the, and many of you raised your hand giving testimony to that. And so it leads us to the obvious question, well, if we all want to do that, then why do we fail? Why do I fail so often and have to weep tears asking God to forgive my sin and coming to him because I failed once again. Here it is, and here's the application that we're going to take away. A big part of whether you walk in the Spirit 
or whether you walk in the flesh is going to depend on your mindset. A huge part of whether you are successful in walking in the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, or you are walking in the flesh is going to depend on what you are setting your mind on. Did you know that there are people all over this world that wake up every morning with the mindset of, I'm going to get to the top today. I'm going to get to the top. No matter who I have to smash on, no matter what I have to do, I'm going to get to the top today. Some folks wake up with that mindset. Did you know, this won't surprise some of you, did you know there are some people who wake up every day thinking, I'm going to do as little as possible today. My mind is set on doing as little as possible. And I will call it success if I can accomplish that. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 is a great commentary on this where it says, If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things that are above not on things that are on the earth. Unfortunately, there are some people that wake up every day with the mindset of stealing, getting what belongs to somebody else for themselves. Some people will wake up with a mindset of adultery. This plague of pornography and the easy access to it that fills the minds of Christians even. And they give so much time to this. And their mind is set on that because of the exposure to it. And they wake up with their mind set on adultery or on sex sin in some way. There are people that will set their minds on making themselves be big by making somebody else feel small. And maybe they've been gifted in a way where they can do that. Let's get very, very practical here. If you are spending hour upon hour upon hour filling your mind with the things of this world, the things that God does not want you to have in your life, and you're watching it in a movie, you're watching it on TV, or you are spending time and laughing with the people that are celebrating those things, if you are filling your mind with those things, and then you think you're going to wake up in the morning and you're going to say, I'm just going to walk in the Spirit today. You spent four, five, six hours putting stuff in your mind that is anti-God. And you think you're going to get up the next day and you're just going to walk in the Spirit. You are just fooling yourself. The reason followers of Christ do not mind, don't miss this, the reason followers of Jesus Christ, mature ones, do not mind putting away fleshly habits and sacrificing to get godly habits in their life is because they know the outcome. When you put away sin, it opens up your mind to be set on the things of God. When you work hard to establish a, a, a discipline in your life or a habit, even if you want to call it a list that you do, and you have that in your life, the reason why mature Christians do not mind this is because they have learned that it enables them to be able to walk in the Spirit. This is the trick. And we're not going down a road of legalism here where I'm going to give you a list of do's and don'ts. That's not what we're trying to do here. But I'm trying to let you know 
that the mature Christian has found out if I want to walk in the Spirit and be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, that's what, that, that is God's plan for me, I have to put aside some of these things. You cannot have, the, you cannot have uh, nasty water and good water coming from the same fountain. We have to put away those fleshly habits. All right. I told you I'd give you my answer from our survey, which was so enlightening to most of you, I'm sure. And that is, when I wear my boot, do I walk faster or do I walk slower? And the answer is, yes, is the answer. When I wear my boot, oftentimes when I'm in so much pain, it helps me, it just it guards my foot in such a way where I can't bend it that I can walk faster. Now, I will admit to you, I was a little bit humbled. Yesterday, I was walking with my wife, and I was trying to open a door for her of a store we were going into, and I could not get ahead of her. So it felt like slower, but I know when that pain is there, I'm able actually to walk faster. I'll actually share this. I found out just this morning, walking down this incline in the sanctuary, I walk faster and faster and faster (laughs) as I go. When we ask that follow-up question, if you have a list of do's and don'ts, Does that help you in your journey with Jesus Christ or does it slow you down on your journey with Jesus Christ? Can I suggest to you that we are all different? Whatever your bent is, and we all have a bent, maybe you have a bent towards greed or a bent towards gluttony or a bent towards lust or a bent towards anger. I think the devil finds that out very quickly. And perhaps you're going to need to guard yourself in a unique way. You might need to, when you're walking down the aisle of the mall and there's a lingerie store up here, you might need to cross to the other side. And there might be somebody else who doesn't have to do that because they are not strongly tempted in that way. But let me suggest to you, you need to figure out what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are. And if you are going to be walking in the Spirit, you need to do your best to set aside anything that is going to feed your flesh. To have a list of do's and don'ts, I want to suggest to us that that is a good thing. And that might turn some people off who grew up in a very legalistic background. But I want to suggest to you that when you have a list in your life of things that you will not do, even if I can't give you a Bible verse for it, but I will not do it. And there are other things that I will sacrifice in order to do them. This is the mature Christian who has found out he can walk in the Spirit. And I want to give you one more illustration and and then we'll close our time. Because in um, Psalm 19, you can write that down and go read it later on, some very familiar passages in Psalm 19. And I want to suggest to you that as I read some of these verses in Psalm 19, you're going to say, Okay, I'm on board with that. I like that. I agree. Stamp of approval on that. And then we're going to come to a point in Psalm 19 where you're going to say, whoa, I need to check that. Maybe there's some kind of an an interpretation that I don't understand. Let me read you a few verses from Psalm 19. This is credible, I think, for many of us. The law of the Lord is perfect. The precepts of the Lord are right. Everybody agree so far? I do. That's good stuff. The commandment of the Lord, there's the command word, the commandment of the Lord is pure. And then it even says in Psalm 19, the rules of the Lord are true. And I don't think anybody's going to struggle too much with these. But when you go down a little bit further in Psalm 19, it gives a comparison. It talks about those rules. 
It talks about the commandments. And here's what it says. That's going to be a rub for some of us. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. And then it goes on to say, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of a honeycomb. The rules that God has given is sweeter than honey from a honeycomb, which is their definition of sweetness when this was written. And I suggest to you that yes, it is. For the follower of Jesus Christ who has learned if I put off this habit, if I do not have this as a part of my life, and if I work hard to discipline to where this is a part of my life, these things are not a burden. And if you are obeying God and keeping a list out of obligation or because somebody else wants you to, you're not going to get it. You need to do these things because you will see this is the avenue to walking in the Spirit. And can I suggest to you that commandments and rules and precepts of God will be to you as you mature sweeter than honey from a honeycomb. Because the result you get is you get to walk in the Spirit. You get to put away the things of the flesh. To the mature believer, God's commands will taste very, very sweet. What can you do? Very, very simple. Be a lifelong learner of what God wants you to do. And that's going to involve this. God's word. Be a lifelong learner. Now when I talk about lists of do's and don'ts, that might even change. There might be something at the point of your life where you are a young believer or immature that you need to hold on to this or have this habit or put something away. And maybe that won't be the case in a few years. And the tricky part with that comes is when someone doesn't have the same list that you do. Well, I don't do this in my life, and therefore you can't do it in your life. Well, hold on a second. When we understand grace, when we understand our weaknesses, and we understand how to get along with others, sometimes those lists might be different. And so you need to be reading your Bible and taking it in, knowing where you are vulnerable. And I think we get more vulnerable at different stages of life. We might be more vulnerable to this area here. Or maybe we're really strong in this area here. And when we are walking in the Spirit of God, what we'll be doing is we'll be preparing ourselves for anything the world sends our way. Here's what we have to help us with this. The ministry of the Holy Spirit. The incredible, wonderful things that he does. And therefore, I would say amen and amen to Jesus Christ when he told his disciples, do not be afraid because I'm going because something better is going to come. And every one of us that knows Jesus Christ today, we have that enabling us to walk in the Spirit of God, to put away those things that we've struggled with for years and to walk in a way that we never dreamed we'd be able to, pleasing our God, following Him, and showing others a life that is truly worth living. Let's pray. Patient and gracious Father, we look to you with an admission that sometimes we are confused by these things. Oftentimes we do not know uh, to what extent was that the Holy Spirit talking to me or was that something else nudging me in that direction and I would not um, suggest that I have all the answers to that. But I would pray, God, that we as a church family would be working wonderfully in this way, hand in hand with the Holy Spirit, knowing the devil cannot make us do anything, no matter how much we might feel like we are trapped and blocked, the devil cannot make us do anything, and yet the Holy Spirit will not make us do anything as far as obedience either. 
Allow each one that knows you today to accept this challenge, to be working hard, to be putting on the things that you want in our life and taking off the things that you don't want in our life. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around, I'm going to ask Joanna just to play through, just a tune on the piano. I want to give you a chance to pray this morning. As she's playing, maybe you want to pray about something that God's worked on your heart. Maybe this ministry of the Holy Spirit is something that you've not embraced or you've been scared of. Maybe you have never gotten saved. You've never decided to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. You can do that right now. Because he died on a cross, you can have forgiveness today. You can ask him to save you and make you his child, even today during this time.